Hey, I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Parv. And this is China Product. We are two Silicon Valley product managers, and we know how messy it can be. So we're here to talk about the ups and downs of being a PM. It's not always straightforward, but we're here to figure it out together. Hey, Parv. How's everything? Hey, Alex. How's it going? Not bad. Good on my side. Cool, cool. Yeah, same here. I think、uh, this week I want to talk about maybe how do how do you plan a roadmap? I think right now, at least for me, it's it's twenty twenty three planning season.、Ooh. So I'm pretty neck deep in in planning and talking to the teams and trying to figure out what we're going to build next year. Oh boy! So wanted to see you know your thoughts on on roadmap, how you kind of approach it, and maybe I can give a background on what I'm what I'm working on right now and how we're approaching it at the company I'm working at. Oh boy! Yeah, planning is going to be a fun one. I think it's yeah, I think it's going to be planning season for everyone right now. I think it's a fantastic topic to talk about, especially as PMs. You know, you're so involved in it. I think let's figure out roadmap planning together. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also so different at every organization. So I think for us, we started it in late July,、oh, wow. so almost five months before the the new year.、Uh-huh. And I think last year, I think we started in November. So it's just getting deeper and deeper into the existing year. But previous companies, we did planning maybe in January <laughs> to figure out what we wanted to build that year. So it's a little bit more haphazard.、So、I think it's kind of interesting how every company has a different process, and、yeah. some really don't have a process. I think also depending on you know how again how disciplined the the product org is there to figure out what to build. Yeah, I think especially startups. At least at the startup I was working at, we didn't even have yearly planning. We were like, well, what product are we going to build next? And then、like, let's just figure out how to build that, what the requirements are, and, and then go from there. So I think、oh, uh, yeah, every, every company is definitely different. I think it's interesting to see a, a formal planning structure that you know lasts five months to get to your OKRs for next year. Yeah, but yeah, I wanted to hear your experience at at the place you're working at right now and in any other places. Yeah, I mean, I think planning is as you said, right? It's so it's so different, and I think the current economic environment also kind of speaks to how one needs to be、mm-hmm. so nimble. In in something like planning, roadmap planning is usually. I know we talked about this also, but roadmap planning is something that everyone's gonna like. We are thinking, oh, we're gonna build, we're gonna write it down, and it's gonna be set in stone, and everyone like this is the plan for the next year. But this year, where we're at right now, is I think a fantastic, you know, <laughs> shines light on how not set in stone every plan is. You never know what's、mm-hmm. gonna come and swipe swipe you and just. Completely throw you off your well-intended path, and so it's it's crazy. Planning is right now for me. You know, it's it's a lot of understanding of, of course, where you want to go long term. Understanding from a product perspective how you want to build out that roadmap, and you know, what are some of your key pieces that are important to the strategy. But then also now being able to pivot and account for current economic factors, environment, and be able to sort of. Use that as an other layer of understanding in what you want to build. It's just a completely new factor that you have to start to take into account. So it was yeah, yeah. I think definitely. I think. No, go ahead. Yeah, as for me, it's it just goes from you know thinking about it, spending some time planning, and then everything changes, and you're okay. Now we need to do another round of planning, and come back into it with、mm-hmm. this new lens and see okay what and be really ruthless sometimes of okay what really needs to be there, what doesn't. Yeah, definitely. I think especially because for us, we started in in July. Yeah. 
And so July, August, September, and now we're seeing how kind of soft consumer spending is this year. It's, it's definitely changing a lot of our plans. And we're kind of having to, to redo a bunch of stuff that just doesn't seem as feasible as it did, you know, when we started this process. So yeah, totally agree. It's interesting, you know, when you plan this far in advance, how little of the initial plan kind of shows up, you know, by the time you're ready to start kind of executing and codifying everything. Yeah. And, you know, before we jump into some of the nitty gritties of planning, I just want to call out, I think this is a really important topic. And, you know, I, I would encourage everyone to spend time thinking about this, you know, learning up, reading, reading more, because as a PM, you have this privilege to be in that, you know, space and be integral in deciding what to build next. So it's a really key part as a product manager, the roadmap planning and being able to understand what the product plan is. So I think it's very relevant and it's something that's very, very important and something everyone should really, really keep a good sort of tight grip on in terms of how do you think about roadmap? How do you think about roadmap planning? How, you know, how critical it can be to just the success of your company, the success of your own career as a PM itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we're, we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I think it's it's so, so varied across so many organizations. And yeah, be, uh, I can kind of walk through how we're doing it and the process that we have. And yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, on your side, how, how things might be, might be different. Yeah. But uh, so I think, yeah, so for us, we started in, in July. And essentially what that meant is we had to produce a five pager of what our strategy was going to be for 2023. Mm -hmm. and in order to produce that five pager, we essentially had to go to all our different partners. So I work a lot with with the marketing team and with engineering, and of course with the user user experience folks. So for me, it's essentially setting up a ton of meetings with all these different folks to try to get what they're interested in. What do you want? What's your wish list yeah. for for next year? And kind of what is your overall objective? And then another layer on top of this is product leadership has their objectives. What do they want to accomplish on the product side, on the business side? for this next year. So essentially it's kind of marrying all of these different wish lists of all these different people, prioritizing them, and essentially outputting an over a pretty high level strategy. Mm -hmm. This is what we want to do. This is how we think we can do it. Yeah. And then it's made it basically a matter of refining, talking to folks, figuring out what are the actual features you need to implement this strategy. So for instance, if your goal is to sell 10 times as many widgets, then next year we need to implement these specific features to to do that. And then we also want to make sure that, you know, when someone buys our product, they actually come back. So how do you acquire new, more, more customers and how do you then retain those customers so that they kind of return and buy more stuff? So that's a very high level overarching strategy. And then it breaks out into, okay, well, in order to do that, we need to have custom landing pages. We need to make sure that we're able to personalize to the traffic that we get. So, you know, when somebody comes from Pinterest, we want to make sure that that person gets this message so that they're more good to buy, right? So it's all this very, you know, tactical mm -hmm. kind of stuff that comes in from the higher level strategy. So strategy is, or the, the objective is, you know, sell more products and then the initiatives and the result is we think we can sell more products by doing this. And we think we can sell it, sell this many more by doing this specific feature. And then we go to all the different stakeholders and say, hey, like, here's our list of 50 features that we want to do. We know we're not going to get all of them. Here's our prioritization, you know, P0, P1, P2 of what we think is feasible. And then, you know, kind of get everybody to align, get their features, discuss what we all think is going to be the most kind of impactful, which lever is going to be the most impactful on the metric that we're trying to drive, align on those metrics. And then once everyone kind of agrees on that, then we go to engineering. Mm. So that's when, you know, you make the PRDs, you make the one pagers, try to communicate what the objective is with engineering and then engineering 
essentially tells us where we're going to cut. So I think for us right now, I think we're at, we're literally at 48 features for next year. And we expect to maybe get 20 of those after we talk to engineering and they, they essentially kind of go through that list. I think that's, that's normally how it works. I think then you kind of figure out what you want to roll over till 2024. And that kind of becomes a bunch of stuff that you want to do that you just kind of keep pushing down, pushing down the pipeline. But that's, that's essentially how, how we're approaching it. Pretty high yeah. level, a little bit more tactical. Then you have the OKRs and then you kind of start executing in the new year. I'm curious, how do you think about, you know, when you're talking to other stakeholders and you have, you know, everyone's kind of working against their own sort of objective or goal in mind and they're sort of sharing their wish list with you. How do you think about or where in the process do you sort of try and, or, or maybe it's not a critical part, but I'm guessing it will be, but the alignment of that higher level goal across all stakeholders. Do you anticipate or do you see situations where one objective isn't necessarily aligned with the higher strategy or the vision? Is that part of those conversations as well, where you want to go back and say, actually, everything on your wish list is not aligned with a vision? No, no, 100%. Yeah. That, that's very, I mean, I went through, of course, yeah. very happy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. The reality <laughs> is that a lot of people have things yeah. on their wish list that are just not going to happen. And I think oftentimes it's about communicating why it's not going to happen. Yeah. I think a good example is the easiest thing is always to say you want a specific feature. Uh-huh. We want SMS yeah. capture in addition to yeah. email capture, right? I think there's a lot of these point kind of features or point kind of solutions that they want, but ultimately you're trying to push a strategy or trying to push specific metrics. And then the question is, how is that one thing going to push that metric? Interesting. Yeah. And I think making sure that people understand what we're trying to do at a high level, what that strategy is and how we think we're going to execute on that strategy and then help them understand why each individual feature is going to push that specific strategy. I think, at least for me, that's not always that effective. I think some people are very married to a specific solution, but at least this this past planning cycle, I think everyone's kind of gotten on board with that, which is atypical very much. I think it is explaining the strategy, but then when you have people who don't agree, then it depends on how you want to handle it and how you want to handle that relationship. I think sometimes it's a matter of going to product leadership and having product leadership kind of make a call if something is going to be executed or not. But I think it, yeah, I think it really depends on on the high level strategy mm-hmm. and and how you're able to communicate whether a specific kind of solution is going to help push that metric that you're trying to trying to improve. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's so core, right? All of this. There's so much happening in roadmap planning. It's actually really important you are bringing your stakeholders along. I think that's one of the key things about roadmap planning is that it sh- doesn't and shouldn't happen in a silo. If it is, then there's definitely something that's going to blow up in the end. But I think you're right. There's a lot of time during the roadmap planning process where a lot of things that end up being shared are solutions. And it's mm-hmm. very important, especially as a PM, to take a step back and say, why? Ask the question, why yep. do we do this? And more often than not, you might end up with that same solution, but then you are really, really clearly aligned on what the goal or the objective was and that this solution is the best way to accomplish that. SMS capture, it could be why do you want to do SMS capture? And then going, keep going back to those five whys kind of exercise to really get to mm-hmm. what is it that's the most core thing that you want to do. And then maybe SMS capture is the worst way to implement that because it's not actually going to get what you yeah. want. And it kind of goes back to the fact that product planning and roadmap planning is not one meeting. It's not a one-time activity. You know, sometimes you go ahead and say, oh, today I'm just going to plan. Nah, it's not probably, Yeah, it's not how it's going to go. Nope. I mean... Yeah, it's super collaborative, yeah. super cross-funnel, super out of... Like, even in the PM, I think a lot of PMs, I think we talked about this earlier, a lot of PMs are kind of working on their own in their own little 
silo yeah. on their own little part of the, uh-huh. the project. And a lot of times, especially at the planning stage, you have a lot of things that are going to touch other teams, especially depending on how your, your team is kind of yeah. set up. A lot of it is going to the other PMs and making sure that you're including stuff that they're going to need on your side and that they have things on, on your roadmap yep. that you're going to need in order to execute that higher level strategy. Yeah, exactly. I think it is, uh, it's definitely not a one-time activity. You're constantly in that refining, refining stage. You, you, I mean, sometimes you can spend a lot of time. Sometimes people do overspend uh, in, in, in mm-hmm. planning. But yeah, I think it's, uh, it's very similar to how I would say, I think we've approached it a little bit as well. You know, it's always around A, aligning on, you know, what are the, what's the high level strategy or objective? What's the vi- vision? What are some of the key pieces that we think are critical to that strategy or that vision and then using that as a framework to understand with our stakeholders okay we know what we're trying to focus on what are some of our pieces within our own domains that align with that strategy or with that vision again and then being able to sort of use that to guide or create now that we've talked about the problem space what we're trying to do let's set ourselves the fims word okrs what are our What's our outcome statements? What are going to be the key results that we're trying to drive? What are our objectives? And then taking a step back, I think that's one part is just being able to align and talk through that part of top of the funnel planning process. And then you just, okay, now that we've understood that and we're aligned, now let's try to understand within that, what are some of the things that we think about as initiatives that really help target those, you know, OKRs, objectives and key results. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you're doing it very similarly, right? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I think our, it sounds like ours are, are pretty aligned, but I, I think it really depends on your organization yeah. and, and how much share that product true. kind of rigor is. Because yeah, it sounds like ours are pretty aligned. I think both our organizations have pretty good kind of product understanding, how product managers work, and but I think I've definitely been in places where you know it's it's not at all. Just a lot of times, you know, it either comes from the top, or it's just kind of one day the CEO, you know, in a startup is like, hey, I think we should build this new product. So let's go figure out how to do it. And it's August because there's no yearly planning because the startup doesn't last a year, right? It's too, everything's too short. So everything's kind of a compressed timeline. They're just, we're going to build this. Let's figure out how to do it. And then you just kind of go do it. And (laughs) what might take a couple of years at a big company will will take a month or two at a small company. Yeah. I mean, it is, I think, you know, there is that aspect of all of this, which is, you know, of course, pretty, pretty crazy in, in terms of going in, not being aligned, and then everyone coming in with just completely different pieces of the solution, which is are coming down from some random source. So I think it's, you know, really important to have those those pieces and the product org ends up sometimes being, I, I don't want to say they're leading it, but they are core to it. I think as a PM, one of the mm-hmm. key aspects of your role is to bring everyone along in part of that roadmap planning, right? Do you, do you think you see a lot of that in terms of your responsibility as well as bringing folks on to the right journey, especially when it comes to roadmap planning, or is it very, very org driven and everyone's eye on what needs to happen? Yeah, I think, I think it also depends. I think it depends on a lot of things. If you're a, if you're a smaller company, you're, you have one goal is to yeah. survive. You know, everyone's kind of aligned oh, yeah. on figuring out how to, how to keep, keep yeah. surviving. If you're at a big company, a lot of times there's different directions uh-huh. you can go. I think especially, I guess, there's a peacetime and wartime kind of analogy. Right now, because of the macroeconomic stuff, I think a lot of companies, even big companies, are uh-huh. in wartime. And what that means is that people are a lot more kind of focused on a singular objective in order to get through the next few years, which helps a ton with planning, mm. right? Yeah. If everyone is aligned, we need to increase the number of customers at all costs, and this is the only yeah. way that we can do it, then it makes planning a lot easier, 
And that's definitely not the case. I think this year, you know, macroeconomic is helping planning a lot because there's only really one way to survive in a lot of instances and everyone's aligned on that. Whereas in peacetime, you know, there's lots of different kind of opinions on what you can do in order uh-huh. to, to kind of increase growth and, and yep. that kind of thing. And it, it's harder to get people aligned. But at least right now, it just makes it really easy because everyone's, like, yeah, we're all, you know, we got to do this one thing. Let's go do it. Let's go figure it out so that we can survive. And that makes planning across the org a lot easier, I think. Yeah, i so curious around how some of these companies are pivoting right now. I just, I'm, I want to be in that room where roadmap plans are being demolished or edited and changed for some of these big companies that are pivoting because of everything that's happening. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, especially because it's a culture pick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fang companies, everyone has, you know, the rest invest, it's kind of calm, it's an easy job. And now, you know, we're in wartime and these companies are pivoting yeah. hard to, to kind of get out of that kind of idea that you can just kind of do nothing and get a paycheck. <laughs> and now they're trying to pivot into pretty hard until you know, yeah. wartime. We need to do this if we're going to survive. We need to put all of our eggs in this one basket and, and make sure that it works. Yeah, I I mean, that's I, I love and hate roadmap planning. I feel it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also very stressful because sometimes I feel like if you end up it's a good set of direction for you to be building something completely wrong, which scares the shit out of me sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something, that's, especially when you're planning yeah. year out. I think this year, in 2022, we built a bunch of stuff, or we planned a bunch of stuff in November 2021 that we're now executing on in 2022. And a lot of this stuff really doesn't make sense. <laughs> Things have changed. We're building stuff that now a year later i'm like you know my okrs are tied to this but we probably shouldn't be spending the the resources on this at this point we probably should pivot but it's also your okrs are tied to this so you know but that's such a you're kind of locked in in some degree but that's such a fascinating point unless leadership changes yeah but i feel that's so key right because we we talk about this and we've said this and i think part of being a product manager and part of roadmap planning is knowing and sort of sharing this idea that a roadmap is not something that's set in stones or set mm-hmm. in stone. What am I saying? It's too early yep. from here now. Set in stone. It's, it doesn't, just because we've said something and we have potentially committed to it at some point of time, that doesn't mean it can't change. And in fact, it doesn't mean, sometimes it makes sense for it to change. This is the perfect example of that right now. As you said, right, probably we would have, thought of things we want to do and we've said that we've all aligned but things change the environment has changed and now we have to pivot and being able to mm-hmm. a have that understanding broadly as an organization that just because we have a roadmap plan doesn't mean that it's it's exactly what needs to be done it's important because of situations this a roadmap plan is great to have that alignment on the why and the strategy but it shouldn't be the thing that sort of is is a hard scale in which that if if you don't follow it, then that's it. That's completely wrong. You need to be yep. able to learn and pivot. And that's why it becomes so important to understand what role a roadmap can play, why it's important to just not show what you're building, but also why you're building it. Because sometimes in situations like this, you end up realizing the what is changing because the why is changing. And if you don't have the why articulated mm-hmm. or shared in a roadmap, it becomes really hard to be able to you know, make or suggest those changes to the what because people have yep. no idea of the why. Yeah, I think it's that's spot on. I think it's very rare, I think, that you're gonna be able to plan something a year out and it still makes sense a year later. I think so many things are contingent, right? You wanna build X product in order to push one metric, 
But in order to do that, you need, you're, you're kind of reliant on something else happening, yeah. whether it's macro, whether it's yeah. internal, you need to be able to kind of have that flexibility to, to be, mim- to be nimble and to, to change your roadmap, to change your OKRs, especially when you're, you know, your, your OKRs that you're executing are, you know, they're created 18 months ago in a very different yeah. time. So yeah, hundred percent. I think it's, it's something that at the leadership level has to be, I think, communicated because otherwise, you know, if everyone's bonuses are tied to a specific OKR outcome and you're changing OKRs. And now you might, you know, reducing bonuses and you might be having other ill effects. And essentially it's, yeah, it's, it's leadership's responsibility to make sure that everyone's, you know, okay changing OKRs because it, may, it doesn't make sense for the business anymore. Yeah. I mean, it just comes to think, I'm thinking about this, it's, you know, why do you want to tie stuff to OKRs, promos and raises and all of that stuff? Yeah. It's such a it's such a critical thing. And I think that's a mark of a good organization or a good company culture. Is it's more important to know and build the right stuff and, and mm-hmm. be okay with accepting losses and pivoting. But as long as you're shifting into the space which you know is right. And I think that sometimes should be rewarded. Uh, it should be a thing that, yeah. you know, you should think about as well. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's, I think it's... I mean, ultimately, everyone is is kind of optimizing for whatever is going to you know get them to that yeah. next level, especially at larger organizations. Whether it's promo, whether it's a, a short term bonus, or whatever that kind of kind of carrot is on ahead uh, on the road. And a lot of times, you know, OKRs shift, but if it shifts the carrot, then you know, that kind of <laughs> keeps somebody on a path that maybe they shouldn't be on because that's yeah. that's what they've been told to optimize for, which is super dangerous, especially in times where. You know, yeah, things changing yeah. every every single every other week. You know, you have some new macro news. Consumer sentiment is down. Consumer spending is down, and then it really kind of makes you question what kind of changes you want to make on the roadmap. How you're gonna you know push your metrics in a in a very different time than than what you did. I can imagine an example. I can imagine a lot of Twitter rival companies right now changing their roadmap aggressively to match mm-hmm. the <laughs> the things that are happening in that specific space right imagine something that happens in the competitive landscape and you're still not reacting to it you I should mean, be look at tiktok yeah. i mean tiktok came in and just obliterated you know instagram and snap yeah. and all these kind of social media rivals because i mean they were they were investing externally whereas tiktok was aggressively investing in the u.s but market. now imagine yeah and so they're kind of resting on the rules and yeah, and now, but now imagine to... that PM or that product team or that company is saying, oh, no, you know what? We will still stick to what we decided to build in 2020 because that's mm-hmm. our roadmap plan. We will stick to it. And you come in and they've come, as you said, completely changed the game. And you're still, no, you know what? What we said in 2020, we'll still build that. No, you have to adapt to that landscape yeah. and, and come back. And, yeah. and But you saw you saw how long it took, it, yeah. right? I think 2020, TikTok really started taking over after the mm-hmm. pandemic. And then... How long until Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts and Snap Snap Spotlight, all these things yeah. came in? And maybe it was a year later. Yeah. When they got really big, I think they were probably maybe testing into it. But the interesting thing is, Facebook had already created a TikTok competitor that was super popular in South America. They already built it. It didn't do that well in at least uh-huh. in the U.S. market. But then it still took them maybe I don't, I forget how long exactly. I want to say a year. To integrate Instagram Reels and kind of all that stuff when they already had the code. Oh, base. interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I think we've kind of digressed a little coming back. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, when you're thinking about roadmap and planning and the product plan, there, it's 
you know, we talked about everything that you have on the roadmap. If, you, if you're looking at from an artifact perspective, items on that roadmap should be clearly linked to what you're trying to build, what your strategy is, what, what those, you know, high goals are. And your roadmap should be responsive to change. You flagged this earlier mm-hmm. on as well, right? There's a lot of stakeholder feedback that comes in. So it aligns with that. There's a lot of customer feedback that could come in. And then there's a lot of change in the competitive landscape. All of that needs to be accounted for and sort of like funneled into your roadmap and clearly articulated sometimes. And I think, you know, as an artifact, that becomes a really strong baseline for sort of future pivots and understanding what needs to be built. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, and I think, yeah, peacetime roadmaps and wartime roadmaps are very different. And I think wartime is, is often a lot easier because everyone is kind of marching yeah. to the same beat. In peacetime, you know, everyone's trying to go optimize for their own thing and go in their own direction yeah. and things just aren't as clear from a from an optics perspective do you see roadmaps playing a different role internally externally or just having different variations of a roadmap what are your thoughts on that oh yeah no i think that's a, that's a great call i think there's roadmaps are incredibly political yeah no surprise there especially in large organizations so no one wants to say that you're not doing the thing that you want to, that yeah. they want to do so oftentimes you'll put it as a priority, whether it's a P1 or P2, but you kind of know that it's out, out of the cut line. If you have 50 product or 50 kind of initiatives, you know you're gonna get 25 of them. Often the political stuff is gonna be in that bottom 25 that is like, hey, we, we tried, but we couldn't yeah. get it there. And I think it's a lot of kind of recognizing the other team, but also letting kind of someone else do the, the cutting. But yeah, they're incredibly political. And I, I think it's, so that means, what that result is, is that you have, a prioritization and then a real prioritization. <laughs> so a lot of things are maybe a, a P1 that really are a P0 in your mind, but you can't put it as a P, P0 because then you know someone else is going to get get angry. So that's definitely an aspect to it, and that's definitely really hard to manage because you don't, you really don't want to have two roadmaps, the external one and the internal one. But it ends up having that might be something that sits in your mind as you you kind of think through the the prioritization and the stack. Ranking. But I f- I feel there is an aspect of this which is the right level of fidelity for the right stakeholder. As a PM, I, I know for a fact that I don't have one single version of a roadmap. I have it at, while all of them say the same thing or at the essence of it is the same initiative, there are different variations that speak to different stakeholders. I have one that probably aligns a bit more with how design thinks about it. it it'll be the same priority, the same priority and the same initiative, but it's just a different bracketing or a different grouping or a different coupling or a different aspect of the roadmap. But, you know, I, I think as a PM, I do have variations that I keep, which are, okay, for marketing, hey, here's the roadmap that we've agreed upon. Mm-hmm. This is a, a marketing view of it. Or being able to share out things that are more probably important for the marketing team, for the design team, or for engineering. And so I do think, you know, when it comes to roadmap, there is, of course, at one baseline, but there are there will be certain activities. Or as a PM, I think it's good to have variations of that that highlight pieces of information most relevant to the teams that you're trying to present to. Uh, one of the yeah. mistakes I made was yeah. going into a, a sort of roadmap discussion with the design team and I had a lot of technical jargon on some of the technical initiatives and the biggest question was, okay, this is a high priority, I get it, but what do I need to do? Is this important for us? Where do we come in? And I realized mm-hmm. I wasted a lot of time in that conversation trying to navigate that piece of, of the roadmap discussion, whereas I could have been much smarter about having a variation that speaks high level to the technical side and probably calls out more of the design elements that are needed or are higher in priority in terms of the broader roadmap. 
No, I think that's that's such a good call. I had the exact same thing <laughs> on the cycle where I would have kind of the same presentation I was yeah. presenting everybody. And Zach had the same thing where some teams I have, I essentially have to explain stuff that's not really relevant to them, the engineering yeah. stuff to the design team or the, the marketing team. And yeah, personalizing it, customizing it to your audience is super, super helpful. I ended up using a, a Google sheet and just uh-huh. filtering it depending oh, on who the audience was. And that ended up being just saving yeah. a lot of time because otherwise you, you, know, you go on a tangent trying to explain something that's kind yeah. of irrelevant to a specific team. So I think it's fantastic advice. It's just really customizing your your discussions with the audience so they're able to kind of focus on the things that matter to them. Yeah, in terms of the process, how do you how do you see dealing with the constant influx of ideas coming from stakeholders? I know we you touched upon this, but I, I think it's a really key call out there, right? That you're going to probably have a lot of wish list and you're probably, you know, focusing on a lot of different objectives, a lot of different inputs. And as a PM, I think it becomes really key when you're building a roadmap that you have to know or have an objective method of sort of evaluating those ideas because a roadmap mm-hmm. prioritization is a key aspect to highlight in the roadmap yep no absolutely i think it's it's again it's one of those things that wartime makes yeah. it really easy right in wartime something's going to kill you whatever's going to kill you first yeah. is what you work on i think that's been super helpful because essentially things that whatever is going to kill us first is a p0 <laughs> Everything else is yeah. P1 or P2. But in peacetime, that gets really, really kind of confused. It's really tough, you know, to say that your stuff that you prioritize as a P0 is more important than someone else's. So I think it it makes it a lot harder. I think last year, you know, in, essentially in peacetime planning, it was, well, we think we need this thing, but of course the P0s are kind of spread yeah. across a bunch of different initiatives, across different teams, just trying to make everybody happy and ends up being a lot of compromises. Yep. In wartime, People complain, but it's hard to argue. Yes, this is going to kill us. We got to work on this. That's why it's a P0 and everything else is P1 yeah. and P2. And this brings me to one of the points. And we, I know that we want to deep dive into this as a separate topic too. But I think once you have that idea or that wish list understood and sort of you know, gathered, when you put your roadmap, I think it's really important to bring along folks on how you are prioritizing or potentially scoring your ideas, having an objective framework mm-hmm. in place. And it could be, it could be any, and again, as I said, we'll talk about this in another episode where you, we'll talk through price, price, impact, effort, all those different aspects of prioritization. But I think sort of linking it to this conversation on roadmap planning, I think it's really helpful to try to score or I don't want to say score, but like mm-hmm. try to prioritize based on some of those frameworks and then aligning everyone mm-hmm or stakeholders on that framework, bring them along. I think it really helps unblock just general, you know, stakeholder sort of fear and anxiety around why is this here? Why is this not there? But if you have an objective evaluative method sometimes, I think that really helps. Even something as simple Mm -hmm. as, okay, we know that all of these align to the strategy, but we're going to prioritize based on impact and effort. High impact, low effort, low impact, high effort low impact, low effort, or I forgot <laughs> which, yeah. the fourth one, which I no, forgot. I, mean, I think it's matrix. a fantastic, yeah. I think it's a fantastic, I, I've definitely, I would say most companies I've worked at, we uh-huh. use that. We use some type of ICE framework. I think it's, I forgot, ICE, I think it's impact, confidence, yeah. effort. And there's all yeah. these different frameworks yeah. out there to prioritize. I think it depends on, on the team. So I think for us, at least it's essentially what all the business teams want, marketing and everybody. And then engineering is the last person. And once they put an LOE, the level of effort mm-hmm. on it, then the level of effort and then the impact, and that's kind of the last yeah. step. 
which I think is, is definitely pretty backwards compared to a lot of places I've I've done roadmap planning. I think normally engineering is in the room putting LOEs, and then we're, uh, you're putting impact on the business side from the get go, and that's how kind of what determines prioritization. Yeah. Um, especially because you know oftentimes if you have a massive feature that's going to be really expensive and really big to do, it, it normally is not going to be a P zero, yeah. even if it has a ton of effort, just because it you know it takes you six months to build. Yep. So I think I think it's a fantastic point. I think it's something that. I want to say most companies, it definitely startup, every startup I've been at has used some type of framework yeah. like that. And I think it's incredibly helpful to align everybody on, you know, what's actually going to be able to happen just because, you know, some things are expensive to build. And there's, I think that there's also the other perspective, right, which is you've prioritized, but then there's also other frameworks where as a company you can align to say, you know, we will focus X percent on the big bets and the remaining X percent on the the smaller bets. or And then the last percent, last third on, let's say, surprise and delight or customer delight pieces. Yeah. I think that's those are also really interesting mm-hmm. frameworks around, okay, here's a strategy, we'll, we'll, and you can even break it up at that strategy level where you're gonna say, out of 100 initiatives, 80% will be towards a big bet strategy. And we have another objectives or other strategies that aren't considered big bets. And then we'll use that to filter out the remaining 20% of our initiatives in some sense. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, all of that to say, you know, these are important things to think about in roadmap planning and even more important to bring the team along in this, making sure all your stakeholders are actively involved in these pieces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, again, something that's maybe easier at smaller companies when everybody's yeah, able to kind of yeah, less yeah, around that's true. the larger objectives. I think at big companies, you know, it's a lot of meetings. Because marketing or whoever that stakeholder is, is, is legal. It's not just yeah. One, yeah. one one person. It's, you know, maybe 10 people. <laughs> so you have to have, you know, 10 conversations. So it, it increases the effort. And then it makes it maybe a little bit harder to get a uh, agreed upon level of effort by by all the different teams who would be involved in a project. But at a startup, I think it's normally the first place yeah. to start. And I love that, that framework that you brought up where you kind of have 80% on the big bets and 20% on the delighters. Yeah. I think it's also a really good kind of consideration that the big bets, you know, are almost always going to take up all of the focus, but there's all these kind of small things and, but they're still super important and super impactful to a user's kind of impression of the brand and impression of, of the product. Yeah. I think a good example might be the Google Chrome dinosaur game. Oh yeah. Super tiny project, but the amount of delight and the amount of brand building that one little thing has, has produced is outsized relative to the efforts. So I think that's a really kind of good way to, to think about as you're planning, what are the little things you can do that'll, you know, have an outsized impact on, on brand and kind of other kind of softer metrics yeah. that are still important, especially for startups. Very true. Where you kind of have that nimbleness and that that freedom to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Man, roadmap planning is just its own beast. I feel it could be a complete podcast that's just like planning and how to plan and roadmap stuff and yeah. everything. And everybody's so Everybody, different. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it's every company is is so vastly different in how you prioritize, how you how you think about roadmap planning, how long it takes. I mean, where I am, it takes six months, and a lot of most companies, it's two yeah. weeks. And so it's and we we've so far focused on this, you know, being able to be so empowered to build roadmaps, and you know, it would be, it wouldn't be a complete podcast if we didn't sort of talk about or at least mention the fact that you know sometimes you could be in a situation where it's a little bit more top down or you know the um, mm-hmm. the highest paid person's opinion. Yep. Those are those are situations that you could find yourself in as a park manager, and you know, all to say, it is hard to be able to own roadmap planning or be able to do it in a in a sense that might be really aligned with what we should be doing. 
but it's it is it is a situation that you could you could find yourself in top down planning is a thing they might be doing all of this at their level and you as a pm is just being handed down what needs to get built it's not the best feeling in the world and it's not the best situation to be in but you know it, it happens it, it is a thing. it's common yeah. it's super common yeah the ceo or or just the executives in an org yeah. will essentially determine the the high level yeah. roadmap and it's up to you as a pm just to kind of flesh yeah. it out and i'm 100% sure at their level they're probably doing almost all of this kind of stuff understanding the effort mm-hmm. the impact stakeholder alignment and everything but sometimes it just gets a shield or block from pms in the org that you know should technically be involved mm-hmm. in all of this as well so you know i know what we talked about yeah. is ideal it's not always as clean and straightforward it could be messy and there is always that aspect of you know sometimes in your org it's it's a little top down yeah definitely oh, yeah i think this is definitely you know a kind of happier path I don't, I don't think every pm and i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you know you're in a role where you know you're just kind of handed the projects you're going to do yeah. for the year and you, you execute on them but you don't necessarily decide on on those projects why you should do one project versus the other yeah but i know anything else before we kind of wrap up the episode on roadmap planning i feel we covered a lot of different pieces just our personal stories and you know some of the pitfalls mistakes mm-hmm. that we've made no i i yeah, no, I think you're right. This almost could be a, a podcast in itself. There's a, a thousand different frameworks out there. There's a thousand different ways to approach yeah. it. It really is, you know, an art, not yeah. a science. You're not going to be 100% right. A lot of these things are very squishy. How much effort does it take? It might take, it might be super, it might be trivial for engineering, yeah. but it might be really complicated on, on the legal or, yeah. or marketing. And it's hard to kind of gauge some of this stuff. So it's really kind of putting your your best thought forward and executing, but also, you know, being open to, to change your roadmap, to change yeah. your plans. Because you know what you what you're saying today is going to be very different from a year or two years when you're trying to execute on a, a super long term roadmap. Yeah, and that's why the the episode is titled "Figuring Out Planning" <laughs> and not "Figured Out yes. Roadmap Planning." But yeah, no, I hope. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone has really figured it out. So <laughs> yeah, I hope everyone. It's yeah, it's a it's a very nebulous kind of one. Awesome, yeah, but it was Absolutely. it was again a great conversation, and you know I always love diving into these this weird pieces that are so can be so vastly different but yeah i guess i will see you on the next one sounds good thanks Thanks alex see ya man see ya